Welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. I'm Tanya Morgan and I'm talking to a few special guests from the Rose Garden at the Wake today. Given the fact that we're starting to think about the new cropping season, maybe deep ripping how you might manage your sandy soils is on top of your mind. We're going to be talking about hard setting, compaction, cementing, where to rip, all those sorts of things that are associated with some sort of soil amelioration practice in your paddock. And today I'm joined by Rodrigo De Silva and Therese Macbeth, and they're both research scientists at CSIRO. Welcome both of you. So let's start off with how do we know that we've actually got an issue that needs something like deep ripping? One of the ways that we've been identifying where we're likely to get a response is to use soil strength measurement, which people talk about using penetrometers and measuring the penetration resistance. That's a tool that we use to identify whether we might see a response to ripping. And with penetration resistance, generally we've been using a threshold of two and a half megapascals. So if you have a layer in your profile that has a penetration resistance of more than two and a half megapascals measured when wet and drained, then you're more likely to see a, a response to ripping. I'm not sure how many farmers actually have penetrometers. We did share a link where farmers could buy one. But I think most people would know that they just have underperforming sand hills and that might be where they decide to do some ripping. So how important is it to get an actual measurement? I think quite important, but obviously we recognise not everyone has access to the same equipment. So there is quite a range of gear that you can use to look at your penetration resistance from a, a fully digital penetrometer through to one with a pressure gauge, right through to just a rod that you push into the soil. Obviously, something that gives you a reading is a bit easier. It takes that subjectivity out of it in terms of it just feels hard compared to having a, a reading that you can use to help you gauge that. Where we're at in terms of using the penetrometer, the other thing you can do is dig a hole and have a look and see whether you have layers that are the hard, for example. I know even Rodrigo does that himself. He'll go out and dig a hole in a paddock and even just use a screwdriver to look for that hard layer and mm -hmm. where it sits in the soil profile. You can also have a look where the roots are at soil profile. It is very important to know the soil profile because for most of the sandy soils that we are working through the Mali region, they're all deep sands. So we know what's underneath, but for example, preparing for ripping, we need to know the profile because sometimes you don't want to bring things hostile subsoil up in the profile. So in some case that we may have some sodic clays under, it's not the case in most of the sands in Mali, but eventually in some places we may have some hostile subsoil and we don't want this to bring up to the surface. And the other important thing is to know where is the peak of the problem, because then it will determine what kind of machine and what kind of tractor we will need for the ripping operation and what's the thickness of this layer. It's easier to observe the soil profile, you dig a pit and we can see by the distribution of the roots because when there is any physical constraints, usually the roots tend to avoid that area. It's important to open a, a soil pit and to examine the profile as well. So if farmers were going to dig their own hole, how deep should they go? Because not everybody's got a backhoe handy. No. Usually you can dig quite a small hole in a sand without too much trouble into about 50 centimetres and that'll give you a fair feel. We do have some you know, deep sands where the issue is down to 60 plus centimetres. Equally, uh, a lot of ripping equipment can't readily rip to beyond 50 centimetres. So if you can get down half a metre as, as a starting point, I think that'd be excellent. If you're hitting rock before you get to half a metre, 
there's a really good clue about what kind of ripping depths you should be targeting. And the other important information about uh, why examining a soil profile is to follow the roots clearly and also to observe the moisture difference because sometimes a deeper in the profile some water is left unused most likely because if the roots are dominant in the topsoil and water is left deeper in the profile most likely that is a physical problem here this is also very important for the farmers to observe the root distribution because it can be caused by lack of nutrients or presence of aluminum by most of the cases it's very easy to identify when roots are clearly avoiding this area because basically it cannot it's too hard it's too yeah. hard in terms of the depth of ripping then, should farmers be trying to break through that layer or go below that layer? How do we know how deep to rip? Ideally, you're targeting as much of, of the hard layer as you can manage because there are a lot of constraints on farm to, to ripping the full depth of the constraint in a lot of environments. But there are things you can do in the way you set up your riffer and operate your riffer that can improve your depth and the efficiency that you work at. We do hear the terms hard setting, compaction, cementing. Rodrigo, tell us what the difference is between them all. Yeah, okay. By definition, compaction is caused by external load. So usually caused by traffic of heavy machines. And by definition, is simply the increased in bulk density. So basically, yeah, this is a lower porosity. So there are more solids in a very dense situation. So this is usually caused by heavy machines, as I said, but it can be caused also by livestock. But in contrast, we have also some natural processes, which is hard setting and cementation. By definition, also cementation is a precipitate of the salts, usually brought by groundwater. And the main chemicals involved is silica, iron, and carbonates. And basically it becomes a bridging between the sand grains. So the sand grains are held together extremely tight. And the clear distinction, this is an irreversible. So it doesn't matter if the soil is wet or dry, it's still hold together. Hard setting, on the other hand, is a reversible process. So it's defined as a soil that is um, soft when it's wet, but it becomes extremely hard when the soil dries out. So this is a reversible process. For example, right now, if we have the soil prone to hard setting conditions, most likely it's going to be extremely hard because most of the soils are very dry now. This is a natural process because it's also identified under natural vegetation. So agricultural not necessarily is causing this. It may aggravate, but it's not necessarily the cause of the problem. So we have these two main distinctions. So compaction is external higher bulk density caused by the machines and two natural process, one reversible and the other one irreversible. You're still trying to get a good idea of what soils are more prone to hard setting. Yes, from the soils we had access this season, cementation is not a problem. So because the test of cementation is very simple and the farmers are welcome to do it themselves. So we just get a piece of this hard layer and replacing water. So if it's lakes, it's uncemented. So basically it's a very simple. On the other hand, hard setting is a soil that presents a high soil strength, but not caused by compaction or not caused by higher bulk density. And we know that because in some soils, we had uh, penetration resistance data showing that the, the penetration resistance is above 2.5. In other words, it's, uh, it's causing problems in terms of root growth, but at the bulk density of the soil is, is not regarded as compacted. So we know 
that's not a problem. So the problem of hard setting is that after ripping, it can reform naturally. We have seen in a few places that after ripping, it's after a few years, the longevity is not that long. And that's why you're trying to understand at the moment, what are the drivers for that? So far, we have done a lot of analysis for the chemistry and the physical aspects and even the minerals. There are no everyday analysis uh, able to diagnose that layer from the layer above and below. So it's pretty indistinct. This has fair implications for farmers because if you're making an investment in deep ripping, you really want to make sure the longevity of the treatment is there. So if people aren't seeing that longevity of treatment, is that an indication that they might have hard setting soils? Yes, it is an indication, particularly if the traffic after the deep ripping is not intensive. Because usually when we have compaction over time with traffic of machines, it will recompact the soil slowly. So what can farmers do about that at this point in time? It is a natural process, so it's not necessarily caused by agriculture. So there is no clear indication that they are doing something wrong. I guess one curiosity I have is what things like enclosure ripping might do for hard setting, where you're moving the soil profile around a bit, whether that redistribution might change yeah. the hard setting property. There's still a lot of work that needs to happen in that hard setting space, but if farmers know they have a hard setting soil, they can have a serious think about whether it's worth it numbers yep. wise, yep. actually following through with the ripping yep. process. Yep. There's a separation there though, I think for the Mallee grower versus some other growers in that because hard setting is responsive to moisture, where we think it will be more important is where you run out of moisture during the growing season. Mm. So it's much more likely an issue for a low rainfall environment than it is for a medium rainfall environment, for example, where generally the soil profile is wet during the growing season. So that's why we do have a mainly focus when we're talking about hard setting. Farmers go through a ripping process and then to be able to seed that paddock afterwards, they need to roll the paddock. So how much damage is being redone to that ripping process with rolling prior to seeding? This is an unavoidable circumstances because you need to have a good bed to be able to sow. And clearly the weight of the roll won't necessarily cause a compaction again because the, the paddock will be trafficked again. So I think this is something necessary to have an even surface, but it, it shouldn't cause a compaction because the, the tractor is much heavier, so it shouldn't be a huge problem. I think the other thing we can say is we're still able to measure the effects of the treatments that we've put in after rolling, so we can certainly see the significant reductions in soil strength from ripping even after we've rolled our plots, which suggests to us it's not reversing that benefit. There may be some slight detriment but obviously to capture the yield effect of opening up the profile by ripping, you, you need to be able to roll and, and have it cedar ready. Some farmers are tossing up whether uh, controlled traffic is the right approach. If they're looking at how many times they need to rip and then go back and rip after a few years, is moving to a controlled traffic system better? I don't think it's a question addressed directly, but there are a few clues in the things we know that might be useful to think about. I think controlled traffic is largely about addressing traffic-induced compaction. So having an understanding of whether the issue you're trying to manage is that compaction or if it is soil strength induced by hard setting will help you to think through one versus the other. I think the other thing we know from experiences in Western Australia in particular, that there's certainly a perception that paddocks that have been ripped and then with controlled traffic afterwards have better longevity of effect. 
obviously that's not directly the question you asked, but they are parallel strategies. Um, I'm not sure if they're directly contrasting mm. what we've done so far. Yeah, I guess there's a, a big implication to management when you go to a control traffic system and people that have livestock or hay, it can be mm. a bit more difficult. So I know the questions come up whether the justification to move down that path is worth it or do you just look at ripping and re having to rip yeah, again? It's really important to think about and, and the same goes for ripping as well. More recently we've done some farm level case studies about the ripping investment trying to think about what the implications are and what the returns might be and as you would expect once you scale up to the farm the returns that you um, can generate from ripping are not as huge as you might see in a direct comparison at the plot levels. There are a lot of factors that influence both investments and, and thinking about them as alternative strategies and strategies that work together in the future could be a really important question. Going into this season, when fertiliser inputs, the cost of, are quite high, would we still expect to see as many people ripping, given that you've got a high yield potential and we need to put extra fertiliser out for that? I think a lot of other costs are increasing at the same time, and it really depends on the financial position of the individual farm, how they're going to approach fertilisers in the ripping scenario. I think you may get away early on in, in the ripping with unlocking some nitrogen in the system that you haven't been utilising as you, you open up the soil profile. But you very quickly have to repay that nitrogen in the sandy system. There's not a lot of buffering there. It's a very short-term approach to think that you can't feed, it, feed a system that's been ripped where you've increased the yield potential. There are a lot of trade-offs there to think through, both from the point of view of the fertiliser investment, but, but also overall costs in the system. If people are out at the moment thinking about going to do some testing for compaction, what else should they be thinking about? I think one thing we haven't covered is the effect of soil moisture on the measurement that you get. Ideally, the threshold that's been set at two and a half megapascals is for a soil that's wet up but drained. And so if you have an experience where your soil is very dry, it's going to feed back a much higher number. Also, if you have an experience where your paddock has different soil types with different moistures, it's going to be really hard to directly compare those different soils. You are thinking about those measurements in soils that have wet up, which I know is really challenging in the summer. Finally, knowing where to start and stop with ripping is probably a bit the same as knowing where to start and stop with measuring your compaction. What's your recommendation if people are going to go out with a penetrometer? How many times should they sample or how many holes should they dig? For research purposes, that which is my experience at the moment, we do much more than a farmer would do because we do six times in a plot. But I think if they know exactly when used to be the problem in the previous season, I think they should be able to follow whatever the recommendation is for soil sampling. I guess my advice would be you're only going to have a limited amount of energy. You want an understanding of the main area. So in your mind, I think you're going to have a main area that you're going to rip. Instead of knowing year in, year out, it's been giving you trouble. And the, the issue you have is what's my boundary? And so you would focus a bit more intensive management around that boundary where you're thinking about you might pull up and that will help guide you on, on where to pull up. And the boundaries also where you should be checking for clay and rocks and other issues that might cause equipment damage or cause you to not have the benefit that you're, you're chasing. So it's not the same effort across the whole landscape. It's those fringes where you will be unsure, just checking how deep the sand is checking where the problem is, where you should put your, your effort. Excellent. I think there's some really great tips there. So thank you very much for joining us today, Rodrigo and Therese, and hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later. Mm -hmm.